previously on All Things Unexplained. We're so focused on that that we, we lose the beauty and what goes on around us. We, we, we're too busy arguing with, uh, with each other to see the monster in Lake Champlain put its head up out of the water and spit water at it. Uh, distracted to see the Bigfoot jumping out from behind the trees. We're too distracted to look up in the sky and see the unidentified flying objects. We're just by other things. And I think as long as we stay distracted as a collective whole, there's not going to be a wide belief in it. But there are those few of us that keep our eyes on the water, our eyes in the woods, and our eyes at the stars. All Things Unexplained. Hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. All right, welcome everybody to the first NAP conference on cryptozoology, brought to you by Corn Wingcon. I'm so excited to be here. So excited to have these panelists here. My name is Dr. Mounts. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head there, Blake. You know, it isn't it amazing that how much more you see and notice when you're not looking at your phone, <laughs> when you're not looking down at that screen, and that came up in our last talk with Becky <laughs> that, hey, why why do people not see a Bigfoot down down there down there by the streetlight? They're staring at their phone. They don't even care if it's down there or not. They wouldn't know. We we talked to a one of the mo- uh, a man involved in one of the most famous UFO encounters of all time and he put it real well. You know, people are just too busy looking at their phones. Well, that's why they don't see anything. They, they just don't look up. They don't look away from their phone. But, Blake, I'm real glad you brought up the fossil record. I think that, you know, a lot of people don't realize in cryptozoology, there is, like you said, a fossil record. You brought up the silicanth. You know, we have discovered the giant squid. Uh, Becky, in terms of Bigfoot, we've got Gigantopithecus, who, which I dare anybody to look at a Gigantopithecus. And not, you know, if you saw that, what you know, you would say, say, well, I've got a Bigfoot-like creature here. Uh, we've got dinosaurs. Look at a T-Rex skull, and tell me you don't, you don't see a dragon, or or something really scary, at least. And so these things have been around for a long time. Blake, I was real curious. Do you think that it's possible the? And by the way, I have to say it's. Fascinating. We know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the bottom of our own ocean. But Blake, do you think the megalodon could still be roaming the seas out there, right? You know, even today. I wouldn't put it past it. I wouldn't put it past. Like I said, we've discovered the giant squid. That was supposed to be something that didn't <laughs> exist. I mean, we've got all those records of the giant lumps of rotten flesh that were tentacles that washed up in 1896 off the coast of Newfoundland where, you know, they measured them. Some of those tentacles were 24 feet long, some of them 32 feet long, and some of them longer than that. And I'm like, it's, it's staring you right in the face. Do I need to pick up one of the tentacles and hit you in the head with it? I mean, it's right there. Open your, open your eyes, you know, but I really think that, <laughs> I really think that it's a possibility. I think that as long as we look down in that water, and we can't see through to the bottom, there's a possibility or anything. My wife actually had a, an encounter, uh, oddly enough, as a child uh, near a body of water that was, um, she was playing in the water. She had on those goggles. She was a child, you know. We, we have, When we're children, we don't lose that sense of wonder. You know, the world's still brand new to us, and we're wanting to get out and experience it. So she puts on her goggles, and she dives in the water like most of us would. Well, when she dives in the water, she hits something, and she says, ah, you know, she puts her hand up, and she gets up out of the water, and her dad and family come over to look. 
when she dived down in the water, she ran into a bull shark. By all accounts, shouldn't probably not have been hmm. not have been in there. Uh, but she ran into it, and not those good. are extremely aggressive sharks. They're known for that buildup of extreme amounts of testosterone. And all she came out of it with was the lump on her head. You know, but she saw it right there. And there was a case in the 1918 shark attacks in a river up near upstate New York where uh, there were a bunch of people killed and bitten in half and, and, and limbs lost due to uh, uh, a bull shark that had somehow gotten into a freshwater river. So I don't put it past that we're in the ocean and there's a megalodon. I think that maybe where it is, it may not have come through. In, as far as the physics are concerned for, you know, atmosphere, like, with, you know, near the Marianas Trench, there are things there that, that live in that, that ecosystem that haven't come up to our ecosystem because it could hurt them or kill them. So I, I think that it's very, very possible. Oh, yeah. Um, right. And and uh, I, I look at it with a sense of wonder and excitement. It's like, what's there? You know, what's in this lake when I go swimming? Oh, yes. What's in the woods when I go hiking? You know, what, what's watching me? You know, not what am I watching? What's watching me? Oh, for sure. We, I, I think that's just a primordial instinct of man, right? Like going back to caveman days. Hey, I better know what's watching me or whatever it is might be eating me in a little while. So I think that we've inherited that over thousands of years. And I have to admit, Blake, I, I'll raise my hand. I can, I basically know the entire script of Jaws. And I was one of those kids that it scared me out of the water, you know. To quote quote somebody from YouTube, that's that's the shark's home out there, and I ought to just don't go up in the shark's home. They can have it. And and to quote somebody else from Jaws, you know, it's only an island if you look at it from the water. So I'm just okay with a PBR and my feet in the sand. It's it's all right. I'll be okay. <laughs> So I'll let the megalodons and the bull sharks and the great whites uh, have their time out there. So, Becky, I, while I was researching for this show, I, I discovered that, you know, there's lake monsters in Idaho. The Bear Lake monster is one I looked up, as a matter of fact. And, of course, we know it's heavily populated, apparently, by Bigfoot-type creatures. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Becky, why is Idaho such a hot spot for cryptids because <laughs> there's less people over here <laughs> more room to expand i guess i don't know i um with the bigfoot i always thought if i was a bigfoot i'd want to live it's absolutely beautiful and and <laughs> that's what that's what i tell people <laughs> that's a great reason I never thought of that. So we've talked a lot about tonight about Bigfoots and a Loch Ness monster. So I was real curious from both of you. I would call those A-level cryptozoology creatures. All right, everybody knows about Bigfoot and and the Loch Ness monster. But what are some of our favorite B-level cryptids? Go ahead, Becky. I'm interested. I, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Hmm. To me, it's uh, dragons are actually one of my higher level interests because I actually have a good friend who sees dragons on a regular basis in the kind of the same way that I see the Bigfoot. Wow. And um, once, you know, I know that this friend of mine does not lie. And he said that he had seen the big the the uh, dragons, and I thought, wow, there is such a thing as dragons. And so once you know that and you keep your mind open, I'm always looking for evidence to that effect. And not that I've seen any, but it's it's pretty interesting to me. And kind of in the same way, um, fairies. I had a, a super amazing interview last year with a lady who has seen and heard fairies. And, and I got to thinking, man, I wonder how many other beings there are in my area that I'm just not aware of, that I just have not tuned into. And 
So that has just been really interesting to me. And then the whole thing about aliens, I, I kind of got off on a sidetrack about aliens once um, a couple of years ago. I was interviewing a fellow about the Bigfoot and he mentioned this alien encounter. And then I, in within three days, I, I had interviewed three different men in three different states. They did not know each other and they were telling me about alien encounters. And about blew my brain. I mean, it was just wow. blowing my brain. <laughs> so set this aside because it's just too much for my brain to handle. It like frazzled me clear out. But but I have noticed <laughs> as I paid attention at night that there are lights in the sky that are totally unexplainable, and they they do seem to act like spaceships. And I don't have those type of answers, but it's fascinating to me to watch. It's like watching, I mean, who needs to watch TV or anything? It, there's the whole world is fascinating to me. Oh, that's so true. My son and I went outside the other night and we watched the International Space Station go over and we found Jupiter and Mars and Venus, I think. The moon, of course, was out there and this uh, array of satellites, Starlink, it's an array of satellites that provide internet, apparently. Uh, by who does that anyway we saw the starlink satellites pass it overhead and and it just made you wonder wow what what else are we not seeing when we're not out here looking it's just it's just crazy so blake what about you b-level cryptids well there's just several of those actually i gotta say i'm a big fan of uh of um becky's answers with the fairies and the dragons. And I really think, like she said, if you keep an open mind, it, it, there's no end But I mean, even thinking just locally he, <clears throat> here, in 1989, there was, a, in, there was a creature that was struck by a pickup truck on Sugar Flat Road outside of Lebanon. That's about 30 minutes from Nashville. And for somebody but the head was and they had it on display for many years now there's just a hologram where the real head is gone but it is a blue oh. creature with white hair it's called the beast of sugar flat hmm. uh, so that um, that is very much a uh, yeah let me see if I can actually uh, pull a picture up here I'm gonna see if I can turn can you see it Whoa, okay. Dang. That is terrifying. It, it kind of reminds me of a mummy, like the mummy, a, a cross between a mummy and a zombie. A little bit. And then, you know, we, we've got our own legends. Oh, yeah. Secondary things to us, I'm sure there's someone who thinks they're the primary thing, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. That That was a terrifying creature, Blake. I think if it had a wider range... It would be much higher than a B-level cryptid. That's for sure. That that thing was terrifying. It for those listening uh, at home and not on the video, it literally looked like a cross between a an ancient evil mummy and a zombie ready to attack your brains. It it was uh, the the beast of Sugar Loaf Road. Is that what it was called? Sugar Flat Road. I do like Sugar Loaf Road. That's nice, but no, it was Sugar Flat Sugar Flat Road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sugar Flat Road. That's it. So I I want to pose a challenge to both of you. A challenge question here. Now I know both of you, Becky and Blake. Y'all y'all get out and about. You really get out there and dig into your research. What is something? that you have learned in the field that you could not find out on the internet? Well, the first part was that the Bigfoot could swim. And this fellow was telling me about that. And then another gal was saying, the unique thing about that is that chimps and gorillas don't swim. They, they sink. So that to me was interesting because I automatically assumed, of course, a Bigfoot could swim, you know? Um, and then the other part that is fascinating to me is that they speak multiple languages besides their own, including conversing with people in their own native tongue, like English and Shoshone and Bannock and Navajo. And 
I've had a lot of people say, oh, you know, that's hogwash. But um, there's too many people who have said that. And I've, I've interviewed them. I've looked into their eyes. I've listened to them. And I've, I've heard their voice. And, and I'm telling you that they know what they know. And they've had these conversations. And I believe them. Wow, just fascinating. That is an incredible answer. Holy cow. Blake, she put the pressure on you. What what have you learned in the field that, that you could not just find out on the internet? I learned that people the world over uh, have these experiences, and for some reason, they like to tell me about them. So there was, a, there was an incident that happened. Uh, I was about 10 years old. I had written a piece that was published uh, on the Loch Ness Monster. This started for me very early. So as you can, you know, well imagine, uh, I am I'm like Nessie's biggest supporter. You know, if she was to swim up out of the lake right now next to my house, I would go out there and chill out and hang out and, and maybe throw some food and see if she does anything. If she does any tricks or anything, but I was giving uh, an interview on it, and I was approached by this elderly lady. Now, this lady was walking on a cane, and she had to be in her 70s then, maybe 80s. She came up to me, and she knew my name. I had no idea who she was. She said, Blake, can I talk to you for a minute? So I sat down, and she said, I have to tell you that I really enjoyed your presentation on the Loch Ness Monster. I really, really love your enthusiasm and your belief in it. But I've got to tell you something. And I said, okay, well, what's that? She said, I'm from, I'm from uh, Canada. I'm from Vancouver. I said, okay. Um, she said, no, we have a creature like that there uh, called Ogopogo. And I have seen it, and I've seen it my entire life. And I think you're just the person to tell the stories about this because you approach it with a view like I have. You're a child. You believe things are what they are. You have a hope in it. You have a belief in it. And don't let that part of you die because that's the part that's going to see you through the hardest parts of your life. But I have to tell you, it's not a fairy tale. None of them are fairy tales. And then I, I told her that I appreciated her seeing me. And I went up to finish my presentation. When I came back, she she was gone. I never did find out because I felt it was time over 20 years later to share that lady. And if she's out there, which I doubt it, but if anybody out there knows her and was there, please contact me. I would love to know more about it. Love to know more about her and about the family because she said her whole family had seen it multiple times. So that's what gave me the hope that there's something in Loch Ness because there's something in Lake Okanagan. There's something there. And this woman has seen it her whole life. So that's something you learn out in the field that you can't find on the internet. Absolutely. And you know, I love both of your answers. It, it reminds me in terms of Cryptozoology advancing as a scientific field of study is no different than one Jane Goodall. This is credible, uh, documented, scientific research in the field, and it deserves respect and it deserves scientific appreciation. And I appreciate both of you for sharing those stories, and I hope you will keep it up. I'd like to do a quick segment here with both of you, and I would just like to get your hot takes. So by hot takes, I mean just quick, uh, you know, gut reaction. Don't hold anything back to each of the cryptids I'm going to bring up. Uh, for this first panel, I thought I'd really, you know, get your hot takes on some of the greatest cryptids in history. And just here, you know, what just instantly what comes to mind here. So I think we'll start with Becky. This one's going to be right up your alley. Becky, what is your hot take on probably the greatest North American cryptid, Sasquatch? My take on it? 
they are magnificent. They're just amazing. And a lot of people are scared of them, but by golly, I think the more they find out about them, they'll find out that they're not so scary. They just have a different, um, I don't know, different belief system. They're not human, and people accept, expect them, I guess, to react humanly, and they're not human. <laughs> so we've got award-winning Arthur of Fathom about the Loch Ness Monster. Blake Best joining us again. Blake, I don't know if you heard Becky's answer, but she had a great hot take on Sasquatch. I'd love to get your quick hot take on Sasquatch. Okay. My hot take on Bigfoot is that, is that um, well, I don't know if you're aware of it, but there was a teacher that taught um, evolutionary theory in Tennessee, in Dayton, Tennessee, and they made a movie about it called Inherit the Wind. It was uh, about the uh, evolutionary theory and um, uh, Scopes, John Scopes. They called it the Scopes Monkey Trial. And um, that happened in Tennessee. That's, that's something Tennessee's known for. Uh, but even, even then, I think it's possible. I think that, yep. and this is going to sound crass, I'm sure, we cannot be the smartest things out there to be able to, to continue to live when other things out here have clearly been here longer. <laughs> I mean, the Native Americans tell the story about Sasquatch and, and about um, these, these um, ape men, as they call them. Uh, I've heard rough translations of that, you know. And they were here long before the settlers came to America. So, I mean, just even that short amount, something like that that can live this long, I take my hat off to it because it has found a way to live in a world where um, curiosity seems to be a dying form. Um, everyone is pretty well content to sit and see in front of their phone and kind of look at the news there instead of going out and making their own news and going out and seeing the world and seeing what, what nature has to offer and, and seeing what's in their uh, what's in their own backyard even. I mean, so I think it's possible. I think that Bigfoot is here to remind us that we are not the smartest things out here and that oh, we're yeah. not the only thing out here. So I think that Bigfoot is here to stay. And I think that Bigfoot is something that needs to be taken seriously because, as I said before, <laughs> with the coelacanth and all the other, uh, you know, fossil accounts and records, these legends, mythology, uh, um, things and subjects they all have a basis in reality somewhere there was something there that gave rise to that legend there was something that the native american people saw there was something out there and and i believe that with my whole heart that somewhere out there the bigfoot the abominable snowman the yeti whatever you want to call them they're here and they're here to stay and they're here to remind us that they're going to be here long after we're gone Right, and I want to piggyback off that because I'm fascinated to get Becky's hot take on this next cryptid, piggybacking right off of what Blake just said. So I, I saw an interview one time with the famous naturalist David Attenborough, and they asked him, Mr. Attenborough, what is the most plausible cryptid to you? And his answer was, none other than the abominable snowman of the Himalayas, the Yeti. To David Attenborough, this was the most plausible cryptid of them all. Becky, you're such a regional expert <laughs> and Bigfoot in the Idaho region. What's your hot take on the Yeti? You know, um, I suspected that they're close cousins to the Bigfoot. That and, you know, there's a couple of other beings that all walk on their, their feet. You know, they walk like we do. Um, I suspect that they're fairly closely related. And to me, they do seem the most plausible thing, you know, maybe because I haven't done a ton of, a ton, a ton of research on any of the other ones. But to me, no, and having spoken to a lot of the Native Americans and hearing some of the old stories, and um, to me, that is just the most plausible thing that, of course, there's Bigfoot. Of course there are, you know? <laughs> And, you know, part of David Attenborough's take on it was this, that we have these 
Sherpas, these world-renowned hikers and adventurers who are risking their lives to go, you know, to climb up into elevation. You know, for the longest time, it was it was not possible for a human to even survive at the top of Mount Everest now, without yeah. the aid of oxygen tanks, right, or something like that. So you think about it, there was somewhere on Earth that humans literally could not reach for a very long time. And he said, to have these tracks out there and these sightings in places that are so dangerous and so extreme and so wild it just makes no sense that this is a hoax right that this that there's not something legitimate to it and so that was david attenborough's take on it now i'd i'd like to ask you both about this next one i'm really curious what both of you will have to say but in the late 50s or early 60s in a small town of Mount uh, Point Pleasant, excuse me, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, the residents were besieged by sightings of a large winged humanoid that became known as Mothman. <laughs> a lot of folks actually believed Mothman was a bad omen as in 1967, the Silver Bridge collapsed, resulting in the deaths of 46 people. Two of the victims actually were never found. So again, we kind of have this paranormal, you know, side entry into a cryptid sighting. This seems kind of far removed from Loch Ness and Idaho. Real interested to, to hear, Blake, what's your hot take on Mothman? Uh, well, I, I don't necessarily think it's a a bad omen. You know, the same thing could be said for all the times they saw the Pteranodon sightings, you know, the, and the, and the, the winged creatures that were seen in the American Southwest from time to time, going back to the 1800s, and even as recent as the 1980s. Um, Mothman, you know, it, it could go one of two ways. It could go that they saw something that caused them great fear and they associated it with the moth because of the wings and everything. There's also a rumor out there that there was a character from the Batman comics and on the television show called Mothman. It's like one of the villains or something. So um, that could be where that came from. Uh, I, I don't necessarily see it as a bad omen. I see it as, once again, there is more out here than just us and what's in front of us. This is um, this what we're living in is a is a microcosm. What's out there is the macrocosm, and I think that I think it's possible that there is a flying creature out there that is somehow you know avoided detection and identification. Now, whether it's a giant moth or whether it's something like in those that film the Mothman prophecies or anything like that, I don't know. I don't know if seeing it foretells a tragedy. I don't know. Um, I would hope not. But I guess that's one of the downfalls of being, you know, cautiously optimistic, despite, you know, the world around me. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's possible. I think we should just keep looking to the skies. Look to the skies. Look to the woods. Look to the water. The answers we seek are all there. It's just a matter of if we're ready to see them or not. Well said. Well said. Be Becky, what's your hot take on Mothman? You know, when you when you first described that, I just my first thought was, "Wow, that sounds like something out of the Marvel comics." <laughs> so, other than that, I I don't know a lot about that, so that I I think I'm going to stay with the Marvel comics. So, kind of makes you wonder if someone was trying out a new costume to to see how it would go over for a scary scare tactic or something. I don't know. It, I guess if I was being serious, I would say. I need more information. Need more information before I could make some type of an your form some type of an idea about it. Right, and Becky, based on your experience with the Native American tribes, you know it kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of what I've always heard is the Thunderbird legend. Did you ever have any Native Americans tell you about 
you know, flying cryptids or flying creatures or thunderbird type of things? No, that's that kind of fits into that whole section where they don't want to talk about it. In the, well, in the tribe nearest me, I actually haven't asked some of the other tribes, and and that's something that I'm very curious about. You know, because like when I ask these guys, they just kind of shut me down. I kind of wonder what the other tribes think. You know, what what are your beliefs about the griffin and the dragon and the you know? Have you seen other things in the sky, and and what do you think of them? I don't know. <laughs> Right. Good point. And so Becky and Blake, I'm talking award-winning authors, Blake Best, author of Fathom, and his newest book is called Razor's Edge, an origin story of Freddy Krueger, and author of the Bigfoot Lives in Idaho series, Becky Armstrong. There actually is some breaking, I think it's kind of flown under the radar, no pun intended to Mothman, some breaking cryptid news just today. And I would, I would love to get your hot takes on this news and, and the cryptids that this gets into. We briefly mentioned them earlier, but a lot of people don't think of these as cryptids. But today, breaking news, the 2022 National Defense Authorization Act proposal, this is in front of our federal lawmakers right now, has a provision in it to form a permanent office under the defense secretary to investigate government and military encounters with and reports of ufos to me this is stunning news that it has been slipped into next year's national defense authorization act proposal to form a permanent office under the defense secretary to investigate this phenomenon, particularly military and government encounters. You know, does this provide hope for cryptid exploration, for taking other cryptids seriously? Blake, what's your hot take on UFOs and extraterrestrials? Well, it's it's my it's my fondest wish that we have a Stargate program. That is, uh, <laughs> that's my fondest wish because that's exactly what that sounds like. It sounds like Jack O'Neill and Doctor Jackson and, and Lieutenant Colonel Carter and, and all my favorites from Stargate SG One. It sounds like something that is almost one step closer towards us realizing we're not the only things in the universe. By allowing some program like that to exist, it is uh, enforcing the idea that there is a truth out there that we need to know. And this particular department or region uh, is something that uh, is something that um, you know is necessary because that's still a part of our world. You know, uh, this is whether we like to admit it or not. Um, things like Area 51, things like UFO sightings in the Roswell crash. Um, you know, things like that are part of History Project Blue Book. The Ken Ross incident, which um, was kind of scary because uh, just up the road here in Franklin, Franklin, Kentucky is just up the road from me. And L Lieutenant uh, uh, Monica, Felix Monica, was from Franklin, Kentucky. He was killed in the uh, assumed killed. They never found the wreckage of the plane or anything uh, when he was intercepting a flying saucer over the lake. And it crashed, and they never found him or the fly or, or the flying saucer or his plane. So I think that that is something that is long overdue. I think that honestly, they probably had something like that in the works since Truman. You know, at least at least since '47, at least since um, you know uh, Roosevelt, FDR. I think that there's been an eye put on that. Now they're finally, you know, the past few years they've released confidential files you know the fbi released a bunch of files they had on kurt cobain you know and all this other stuff and you keep seeing you know all the kennedy assassination stuff and all that so i think it's high time you know that we all learn the truth you know i think we're i think that we can be if we're not ready for it we can be made ready you know we, we need truth we we need to forget the lies and forget the smoke screens we need the truth and i think that having a department and installation like that would be something that that could lead us in the right direction. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we should never 
forget history, right? I'm glad you brought up some of those things, Blake. Is it a coincidence or not? 1947, we have the Roswell incident. And shortly after, just months after, we have the formation of the CIA and we have the official formation of the Air Force. So it's kind of deja vu if you think about it. That's why it's always good to to have a keen recollection of history, you know, to make to let it inform our future and to recognize what's happening around us. Becky, what's your hot take on UFOs and extraterrestrials? Really interested to hear what a, a Bigfoot expert thinks about this phenomenon. I think they already have their own information. And even though it may not fall under the auspices of a certain organization, I believe that they've already been collecting that information for a really long time. In fact, I was told one point this year that in June that they would be releasing more information that had been declassified about the, about like area 51 and, um, and then I didn't hear anything more about that. But I, I do know, like, even with the Bigfoot, um, there was a, a, an incident down in um, Utah at Battle Mountain. There, there was a huge fire at Battle Mountain, Utah. And um, there were reports that a, a Bigfoot got burned and came down to the rescue organizations, the firemen and the, the ambulance sitting there and ask for help because it had been burned. And the the guy who wrote up the, the incident that I read, um, he said that, you know, a whole bunch of government people show up and they put this, the Bigfoot into an ambulance and that was the last anyone ever heard about it. And when they tried to follow up on it, you know, they're like, well, that didn't happen. We, you're not supposed to say anything about it. And, um, so that's why I think, you know, there's a lot more information out there that's just being subverted and because maybe they don't want people to know, maybe it's scared the snot out of them. You know? right. I, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, I feel like with more information, you can make better decisions and um, it kind of bothers me that they hide things from everyone, but you know, such as the government. <laughs> Right. And, you know, Becky and Blake, one thing that I've noticed over the my del- delving into the paranormal is there seems to be an association between Bigfoot, Sasquatch encounters and and UFO sightings for whatever reason. Becky, do you do you get the sense, at least, you know, in Idaho or elsewhere, that there does seem to be some connection between these unexplainable events? Sometimes I think there is a connection and sometimes maybe not. Um, it depends on that. depends on the story, but I know um, like in the state of Idaho from time to time, they'll mention that someone's disappeared and they don't ever find a body. And um, I've heard, I've actually heard some really amazing stories about some of the people who have been taken from Indian tribes and, they live with the Bigfoot for a time and then they return to their tribe. I know there's an author who don't believe that, but I've interviewed some amazing people who told me some pretty amazing stories about it. And, and, you know, from the white people standpoint, from us looking at the outside in, um, we're going to see that somebody disappeared and, and never hear the rest of the story unless you're privy to that information. Um, I have heard, I've also heard stories about, you know, the, connection between the aliens and the Bigfoot. And I don't know enough about that to make a, to form a decision. I, I have not honestly heard, I've only heard one man tell me stories about a connection there. And one, one testimonial is not enough to form an opinion on. So, so it's kind of still out there. (laughs) We're talking to award-winning authors, Blake Best and Becky Armstrong. This is the first NAP conference, a Corn Wing Con cryptozoology panel. And to close things out tonight, I'd like to ask you both this question. What is your most just half crazy prediction 
about the next five years in cryptozoology. So if we, you know, if we could look out five years from now, see all the things that the revelations in cryptozoology, you know, what's your boldest, most half crazy prediction about something that's going to take place in cryptozoology? Who wants to tackle that first? <laughs> I'll go well, first. Go ahead, Becky. Um, I, you know, I know that they have a bounty out for the Bigfoot in Oklahoma. I don't think that's ever going to get paid, honestly. Um, I, But I firmly believe that the people who have had experiences with the Bigfoot will continue having some amazing experiences with the Bigfoot. And I honestly believe that that will continue and actually pace it just seems like i'm hearing more and more stories about more and more um experiences and it just seems like they're picking up pace they're i'm just hearing about a lot more of them so i honestly think that that's going to happen as far as the rest of cryptozoology world i don't know i guess we'll find out Get some popcorn and wait. (laughs) (laughs) Blake, what do you think? Well, I really think that it's, uh, I think that like Becky said, that the Bigfoot thing, it's a lot easier, I think, for people to to go out to, you know, more of those things to come out, you know, as far as sightings are concerned and all that kind of thing uh, for that. Because every year or so, you'll hear something about Loch Ness. But then you won't hear anything for like a year or two, and then all of a sudden it'll be back in in there like gangbusters, you know. Um, so I really think that the Bigfoot, they'll probably end up with DNA that they'll be able to conclusively prove there is a missing link between humans and uh, Bigfoot, you know, much like there would have been with the Pang Bachi Hand or Piltdown Man or, you know, any of those like that. Uh, but as far as the others, you know, people have been seeing, you know, UFOs and aliens for years and years, and I don't think that's going to change. But, again, we're limited in this scope by our technology. We can't just all get into to a, a ship and go outside of the Earth's atmosphere and definitively, you know, definitively prove that there is life beyond our our planet, you know, as far as that goes, but, you know, it's kind of, we're left up to the mercy of technology, but I really think that Bigfoot is going to make some strides, and I'm hoping that a certain aquatic, uh, <laughs> you know, menace, I've heard it, I've heard it called, uh, makes another couple of appearances to kind of let people know that, you know, no one's forgotten about her, and no one's forgotten about like this. And that, that beautiful body of water holds an ancient secret. And one day we'll be ready to see what the lake has to offer. But right now, only a select few of us are, are given a, a glimpse into, you know, that murky water so that we can see what lies beneath. Blake, tell everybody how they could pick up a copy of Fathom and your other books. Uh, they can pick up my books by going to my, my website, uh, blakebestauthor.wixsite.com. Uh, forward slash Blake Best Horror, forward slash books. That's a mouthful, I know. Um, but you can also message me on Facebook. Um, I'm the Freddy Krueger guy. That's what I'm. That's what I'm known as. That's what I. That's what I do. I'm known for uh, for Nightmare on Elm Street books and stuff. But you know, I have done stuff on cryptozoology stuff like uh, uh, Loch Ness Monster, and I've actually been working on a werewolf book as well uh, that I've kind of sat aside so that I could uh, work on uh, more Loch Ness stuff. So they can find me all over, just social media. Um, the books are all there. Um, this is Fathom. That's the book on Loch Ness. It's a horror novel. So if, you don't, if you've got a squeamish stomach, you might want to pass this one up. Uh, but if you're not squeamish, you'll enjoy it. And this is on uh, Freddy Krueger. This is Razor's Edge. It's the one that got me inducted into Fall 4 in 2016. I recently and re-released that. So I have that one. And then I've got a nonfiction uh, about number four called Behind the Screens. You may have a little bit about that, sort of the making of how the effects were all done. It's some real creepy stuff. Oh, terrific. Your body split in half and ladies turn into cockroaches. 
<laughs> yeah, it's wild stuff. I tell you yeah. what, I would love yeah, to. That's how you can find me. I'm all over social media. That's great. I would love. I tell you what, I would love to get back together with this crew and talk about uh, some of our, uh, you know, cryptids such as vampires, werewolves, lycanthropes, <laughs> all our classic Halloween cryptids. I would. I would love to get back together if you you guys were up for it. Talk about those sometime. Becky, how can everybody check out the Bigfoot Live series and everything you've got going on? So the Bigfoot Live series was written under my other name, Becky Cook. Um, and I'll show you some of the books. This was the first book written, The Bigfoot Lives. Which I've read, by the way, Becky, and it is terrific. <laughs> you can get it on Amazon. You can also get it on my website at BigfootLives.com. The second book is Bigfoot Still Lives. Whoop. <laughs> might have to hold that back and then we have Bigfoot Lives Forever oh yeah here we go <laughs> there it is scoot it back just a little Becky sorry about that <laughs> that's it oh there it is Bigfoot Lives Forever and then the last one that just finished this spring is Bigfoot Lives Everywhere and it's it is the El Primo edition if you, if you can't afford any of them just get this one so I went back and I re-interviewed everybody I'd interviewed in the first three books and added in a bunch of maps and charts and pictures and recipes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> kind of random things, you know. We added in some, you know, Bigfoot, Bigfoot barbecue. <laughs> some Sasquatch jambalaya. Yeah. The guy who gave me the recipes is a world-class outdoor cook and guide, and he's seen the Bigfoot multiple, multiple times. So he he just gave us some really great ideas for those people who are out looking for Bigfoot and get sick of eating hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we we so, all have yeah. to eat, right? <laughs> that's that's terrific, and I can attest that Becky's books are amazing. I would like to thank our listeners tonight, our viewers, those watching on Facebook. Those who may be listening to this as a podcast somewhere, thank you. We couldn't do this without you. We appreciate you. I know that that's what myself and Blake and Becky and all of us, that's, that's why we do these things, is for other folks out there, like the folks listening, the folks watching this on Facebook, maybe you're watching on YouTube. Thank you. We, we appreciate you. I want to thank each of you. I'd like to thank our panelists. You've, you guys have been amazing. Blake Best, you're you're just such a cool guy, such a cool dude, uh, award-winning author. I I love all the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. I'm a big fan <laughs> of Loch Ness, the monster. I also discovered that Nessie brand beer while you're out on the lock could potentially influence <laughs> your sightings. I've encountered that firsthand, but it really makes the fog turn into lots of stuff. That stuff's strong, let me tell you, over there in the UK. Uh, Becky Cook Armstrong, one of the world's tallest women with a, her own gigantic big feet. We love you. I, I appreciate you th so much. I have to say that I emailed Becky this afternoon, like literally, oh, I don't know, five hours ago. And asked her <laughs> if she could be a part of this cryptozoology panel, the first NAP conference. And within seconds, I got an email back. Bing, yes, I'm in. Just amazing. <laughs> I can't thank you so That's much for that. <laughs> <laughs> You've been wonderful. You are you are both terrific. I also would like to give a big shout out to Mr. Billy Carr, our, at least Blake of mine's favorite cryptid. He's also a weird cop. So big shout out to Mr. Billy Carr, to Quarren Wincon for hosting this cryptozoology panel. Uh, Mr. Billy put so much work into Quarren Wincon and everything his, he does, his pumpkin carvings, getting all this together, making it happen. Uh, Blake, you'll be back at Corn Wing Con this weekend. 
When it when is that? Uh, that is tomorrow. I'm going to be doing a, a panel on Razor's Edge, and uh, uh, also on uh, I might do a little bit of Fathom in there too. I'm going to have like a live book signing thing. So if you want to grab a copy of the book, you can totally grab one, order one while you're on the uh, the Facebook page watching, and I'll sign it for you during the uh, during the panel. What better way than to do it in person, right? And then uh, Sunday, I'll be going over some of my composing stuff, how I record uh, tracks for a uh, film, and then I'll have another panel, uh, 9, 8 Central on Sunday night, uh, recapping Back from Elm Street and Razor's Edge. So. That's terrific, and I will be back with all things unexplained and also with my my own cryptid books which you can check out at squatching.com i'll be here with my co-host cj derringer and smitty neves we'll be at corn week on sunday night 8 p.m eastern i think we have a little bit of scary movie scary show countdown lined up plus maybe even one of our infamous skits coming at you one of our infamous halloween skits so we can't wait we have a lot of fun with corn wing con is, is some of the, the most fun we have all year long becky I, I hope you'll check out some more corn wing con you're officially a part of it now so thank you i hope everybody will stay curious out there put your phones down Look up to the skies, folks. Look out in the woods. Go for a hike. Go for a drive. Head out to the lake. Take a trip to Scotland. Blake, Becky, <laughs> any last thoughts for the folks tonight? <laughs> Just keep looking and keep your mind open. You might be excited with what you find. Absolutely. I second Becky's thought. And also, I'd like to add, whatever you do, don't fall asleep. <laughs> and don't get a water bed <laughs> alright I love it y'all have a great night thank you so much I appreciate both of you so much thank you we'll see ya bye, bye Dr. Mouse good night everybody You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about our show, you can visit us at www.allthingsunexplained.com. And if you'd like to support our show, please do visit buymeacoffee.com backslash unexplained. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man that wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he has a lot of hats, Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained.